Welcome, Wellness Warriors. I'm Tanya, and with me is my friend and co-host, Daphne. And we are so excited to be back together creating new episodes for you on the HSP Wellness Warriors podcast. This first week that we're back, we are celebrating the birth of Thich Khan, who was born on October 11th. Uh, if he or his teachings are new to you, he is a revered Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk and a spiritual teacher. His teachings on mindfulness, compassion, and peace have touched the lives of millions of people around the world, and his life and work were dedicated to promoting inner and outer peace through the practice of mindfulness. His teachings have been a really big influence for me, but he has had an even greater impact in Daphne's life. Would you like to share some of that, Daphne? Sure, Tanya. Thank you. So, you know, today is a really important or special day for me because it's the birthday of two of the most important and influential men in my life, my dad, and also my primary spiritual teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh. So my dad is 78 today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, dad. <laughs> I do want to say, you know, thank you to my dad for always listening to me and for being my biggest cheerleader. Um, he's been such an important, important person in my life. And Thich Han, so he is known as the father of mindfulness. He's been credited with making mindfulness so well known in the West. And he passed away on January 22nd in 2022. He was 95 at the time that he passed away. And his teachings continue to have a profound effect on millions of people around the world. Um, in fact, I thought it was really cool. My daughter just told me she just started college last week. And she told me that the very first book that she has been assigned to read in um, her religions class is uh, Being Peace by Thich Nhat Hanh. And we were uh, talking about how that was actually one of the very first books of his that I had read. Wow, so that's I was amazing. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and yeah, I was in school a long time ago. So I was first introduced to Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings. Um, so he's often referred to affectionately by his students as Thai. So I was um, first introduced to his teachings when I was studying Buddhist and Western contemplative psychology at Naropa University back in the early 1990s. And what I found was that his often very simple teachings had a way of just penetrating very deeply for me because they helped me to not only get to the heart of my suffering, but to actually help me begin to transform my suffering in very practical ways. And so um, they have played a big role in inspiring me to feel compelled to share mindfulness teachings with others. And I, um, after I got out of college, I continued to study his teachings through his many books. He wrote like 130 or more books, um, very prolific writer. 
Um, and then I also attended retreats after I got out of college in 97. I was given the Dharma name honoring the source of the heart from one of his ordained teachers, Arnie Kotler. And then um, back in 1998, I was so fortunate because I got to attend a 21-day retreat that was led by Thich Nhat Hanh and the monks and nuns of Plum Village. And um, that had a profound impact on me. Most of that retreat, um, the participants spent in silence, although we did attend teachings, talks um, every day. Um, but it had a really profound effect on me. And then in 2000, actually while I was pregnant with my first kid, I was formally ordained by Thich Nhat Hanh as a member of his core community, the Order of Interbeing. And I received then the Dharma name from him, True Greatness of Virtue. And so I've, I've been sharing mindfulness with others ever since, you know, both during my years of teaching yoga, being a massage therapist, even as a national park ranger, you know, I wove mindfulness into the hikes that I was leading others on. Um, so Tanya, how about you? I'd love to for you to share with us a little bit more about your experiences with him. Yeah, I, I loved what you said about even teaching mindfulness as a park ranger. And I think that just shows that mindfulness isn't something that, you know, is, is, um, non-accessible, right. It's accessible to all of us and it, and it applies to everything in life. Um, my experience is a little bit different than yours. Everything that I have, um, you know, learned so far in my life about mindfulness, about yoga, everything was very, um, self-taught and, you know, I, ha I have a teacher now, but, you know, for decades it was about, you know, finding all of these teachings and kind of bringing them together for myself and applying them, um, in my life the best way that I could. Um, the first book of his that I read was the miracle of mindfulness. Um, and I think this is a really, important work, you know, to start with, especially for me, because it really emphasizes the importance of being present in the moment. And he does give, like you said, those really simple, but profound teachings like mindful eating. Um, and especially, you know, how to observe our emotions, mm -hmm. which has been a really huge, um, lesson and help for me as a neurodivergent and highly sensitive person. And also his work is really what made me want to study mindfulness more and especially study it in a way to teach it and to share it with others. Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably my favorite work of his is No Mud, No Lotus. And I think the name really says it all, but you know, there's two kind of core favorite teachings um, from that work that that I got out of them. And the first is the interconnectedness of suffering and happiness. And his teachings really helped to change my perspective and kind of like a reframing of how suffering and happiness are really intertwined. Um, 
And, you know, the way I have it in my mind is, you know, there's no, there's no light without darkness and really understanding that because feeling happy and feeling sad are connected um, and that we can't have one without the other. It's just been like a huge wave that has really made so many changes in my life that I, that I can't even begin to, to list them all. It would take too long. Um, but I would say one example in my life is that I really used to hold on to a lot of hurt feelings towards my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people have anger and different things like that. I never had a lot of anger towards my parents. I just had a lot of sadness, um, just a lot of grief over the things that they did and also the things that they didn't do, the things that they weren't capable of as parents as I was growing up. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've spent more time with these teachings, I realized that, you know, they were just doing the best they could with what they knew at the time that they had limitations, um, from the things that they were taught when they were growing up mm -hmm. and that they didn't have all the answers, you know, just like, I don't have all the answers now. And when we're young, you know, we really expect our parents to be like, almost like these superheroes, right. That never do anything wrong. Um, and that's just not the case. And so really understanding this and reframing it has helped me to forgive them in a lot of ways and to find more happiness in the relationships that we, you know, the relationships that we did have, even though they weren't perfect. Um, and in turn really has changed a lot of the relationship that I have with myself as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other teaching, probably the, one of the most important ones in my whole life is learning how to let things go. And this was not something that I was ever taught growing up in my family. If somebody, you know, quote unquote wronged you, um, it was usually the end of that relationship. And if you did continue to have a relationship with them, if it was, you know, a family member that you had, you know, you saw at the holidays or whatever, um, you know, you were always carrying this grudge and you had it forever and you never missed an opportunity to bring up that time that they did that one thing wrong for you. And, you know, it really made for an unhappy, um, joyless childhood. And there was nobody in my family had any joy. There was never any laughter. There was no lightness. Everything was heavy, dark, sad. And I didn't want to continue that in my life. I knew there was other ways, but I didn't know what they were. Um, and so coming across his work and especially learning to let things go has really been, a, really been a big lesson for me. And, you know, I found that by learning to let things go, stop holding on to, you know, certain beliefs or even material things or, you know, wanting to be things a certain way mm -hmm. and being upset because they're not, it actually allows me to feel a lot freer and a lot happier. And, you know, it's like, we're always carrying around a, I think it was like a heavy backpack full of bricks. Maybe that's why I'm so short because I carried around that heavy backpack of bricks for so long. 
I could be, I could be five ten, but no, I'm four eleven because I was carrying on the backpack too long. <laughs> um, you know, carrying around a, a heavy pack backpack like full of bricks, and um, you know, it's like a you know, it's a work in progress, like everything else. And you know, over time, I I you know, I'm able to take out more and more bricks over time, and so it gets lighter and lighter. Um, the more time I spend you know, with these teachings and even, I shouldn't say time I spend with them, but it's like, you know, you don't need to spend much time with them for them to really make an impact. I feel like, um, for me anyway. And so, you know, through these teachings and, and putting them into practice instead of just reading about them, yeah, I think is what I'm trying to say, yeah. um, is that I've really, over time found this deeper sense of peace and contentment with myself and a deeper sense of peace of how I grew up and all of those things that, you know, I wished for such a long time could have been different. Um, mm. and his work is really where it started to, to click for me. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, uh, that that did bring up two things for me. <laughs> One was it made me think of a a song <laughs> actually popped up into my mind when you were talking about your family and how um it could like one one wrong could could end a relationship and it made me think of Gregory Allen Isakoff who's a fantastic singer songwriter um he wrote a song called second chances and in it there's a line that says if it weren't for second chances we'd all be alone the other thing That's i love about isn't that true and the very and the very first line in that song is one of my all-time favorites cuz it says all of my heroes sit up straight. They stare at the ground and radiate. Meaning he's talking about, you know, meditators. <laughs> like, yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's the putting it into practice. And, yes. and the other thing that came up though, while I was listening to the, to share that was how you and I, we've talked about this before about how much we both have really had to work in our own lives to connect with joy, to have more joy, and to release that heaviness that that we picked up in our childhoods because of our traumas, because of chaos and and traumatic events. A hundred percent, you know, and I think that's such a good point because it is work, right? I mean, we you know, no matter how many times I can read Noma and the Lotus, for example, you know, it's not going to do me any good if I don't start to act on what he's teaching. Yeah. And I can listen to, you know, stories from you and I can listen to stories from whoever, but, you know, it's really important. I think that we don't compare each other's journeys. Yeah. And that, you know, no matter how much you have in common with somebody, it's great to talk about it and it's great to share, but there has to be a really clear boundary, I think, to where, you know, I don't say to myself, well, Daphne's been studying mindfulness for this long and, 
and she's this much further along the path than I am. And what's wrong with me? And, you know, why can't I do this? And that she does or whatever. And it can just so quickly, you can start to spiral and go down a rabbit hole. Um, so I just want to mention that, that, you know, that it definitely is work, but it's also very personal work as well. Um, Absolutely. And to get caught up in that sort of mindset, which can be really easy to do, I feel like, at times. Absolutely. You know, for for me, when I think when I first saw Thich Nhat Hanh, he has had, technically, <laughs> the most amazing presence. Like, just the way just seeing him and being around him, he radiate. Well, I, I think for many people who have never actually even been with him in person, just through his teachings or, you know, seeing a video or hearing him talk, he radiated, he embodied peace and this, this, um, Oh, I'd lost my, <laughs> this innocence, this innocence mm. and peace and joy, like nobody I had ever really seen before. And, and for myself, you know, I just knew like, I, I want more of that, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and like, that's what I want to work towards within myself. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes practice and it takes practice and it can also like work immediately. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, so I'd actually like to invite us all to take a moment just to bring the mind home to the body. So if, you know, if you're listening, if it's safe and it's comfortable, close your eyes for a moment. If you need to keep your eyes open, that's okay too. But just take a moment and just notice the natural rising and falling of the breath. So breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. And breathing out, I know that I'm breathing out. And let's do that just two more times. So in and out. And in and breathing out. And if your eyes are closed, when you're ready, you can go ahead and open them. Hmm. And that's it. Like that's mindfulness. <laughs> We can mm -hmm. do that with our eyes open. We can do it standing in line at the grocery store when we are having conversations with others. But I have found that that simple thing of just bringing my mind back home to my body is so, it's so profound. I mean, because there are so many things in life that are bringing our attention in a million different directions and that are basically causing us to be forgetful or taking us outside of ourselves. And just that simple act 
of bringing the mind home to the body, it it can give us so many different insights. <laughs> um, so I wanted to share something actually from his book, Being Peace. So in it, because there, there's, you know, I thought about this in, when I was preparing for today and, and to think about like, oh, you know, what teachings of his have impacted me the most? And truly there's so many, I could just, I could have picked a bunch of different ones. And so in a way, I actually just thought, oh, I'll pick up the book that my daughter just told me about yeah, that she's reading great. too, and just kind of opened up to, to see where I landed. And I just wanted to share this because because this gets into the heart of a lot of things for me. He says in it, just as a piece, just as a piece of paper is the fruit, the combination of many elements that can be called non-paper elements, the individual is made of non-individual elements. If you are a poet, you will see clearly that there is a cloud floating in this sheet of paper. Without a cloud, there will be no water. Without water, the trees cannot grow. And without trees, you cannot make paper. So the cloud is in here. The existence of this page is dependent on the existence of a cloud. Paper and cloud are so close. Let us think of other things like sunshine. Sunshine is very important because the forest cannot grow without sunshine. And we humans cannot grow without sunshine. So the logger needs sunshine in order to cut the tree. And the tree needs sunshine in order to be a tree. Therefore, you can see sunshine in the sheet of paper. And if you look more deeply with the eyes of one who is awake, you see not only the cloud and the sunshine in it, but that everything is here. The wheat that became the bread for the logger to eat. The logger's father. Everything is in this sheet of paper. You cannot point to one thing that does not have a relationship with this sheet of paper. So we say a sheet of paper is made of non-paper elements. A cloud is a non-paper element. The forest is a non-paper element. And sunshine is a non-paper element. The paper is made of all the non-paper elements to the extent that if we return the non-paper elements to their sources, if we return the cloud to the sky and the sunshine to the sun, the logger to his father, the paper is empty. Empty of what? Empty of a separate self. It has been made by all the non-self elements the non-paper elements. And if all these non-paper elements are taken out, it is truly empty, empty of an independent self. Empty in this sense means that the paper is full of everything, the entire cosmos. The presence in this tiny sheet of paper proves the presence 
of the whole cosmos. In the same way, the individual is made of non-individual elements. You can just keep going. No. <laughs> wow. I mean, so if we, if like, it's so simple, but if we look deeply for this, like for me, um, oh gosh, I mean, we, you know, when I was a kid, I was in a really bad car accident and I held so much trauma and so much like fear of death and especially like violent death. Um, it really like, that was a cloud. That was the heavy backpack that I carried for a long time. And I remember I went through a time period where I was like, as a kid, I, I remember being in elementary school and being like terrified to go to sleep because I heard once that if you dreamt that you, and you saw yourself die in your sleep, that you would die. <laughs> I mm, mean, I was like, yeah. I don't even know where I heard that, but I heard that. And so for months, I was terrified every night to go to sleep, you know, because I thought, oh my gosh, I can't control my dreams. <laughs> what if I, yeah, what if I yeah. don't wake up? Right. And, mm -hmm. and so for me, like that, like these teachings, and he's shared them in many different ways, but that really sort of segued into this idea, essentially of like, no birth, no death. And, and it seems like, it seems heavy, but it's also, it's also there's this lightness and this joy of life in it that I think about, you know, if if I hold my cup of tea mindfully, um, then it helps me come to the present moment. And when we are present, then it it actually like leads to mindfulness leads to concentration, like our ability to concentrate and be present. And that leads to insight. It leads to our ability to see things more deeply. Um, and so, you know, I can see that the water in my tea, you know, it comes maybe from up in the mountains or deep in the earth and that it has come through this entire system before it arrives in my tap <laughs> to be, you know, heated and poured into my cup. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we take all that stuff for granted, right? But if we yeah. if we start to be mindful and we start to like touch things in our lives with some measure of of concentration, of presence, then we start to notice all these other things. And and then I can start to see maybe that the cloud <laughs> that's in the sheet of paper is also in my tea. That yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, that cloud might have been floating in the sky and then it rained down. And today it's in a new form in my tea. And, and even though it's no longer a cloud, it is here in a new form. And so through that, I can see that like the cloud, it still exists. It just exists in a different form. I don't know. It, it's like the cloud can't die <laughs> because yeah, no, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, and and like in this way, like if we think about like death, sometimes we think of like death. It's like to become nothing, but but mm -hmm. we can't become nothing. The cloud can't become nothing. It can only change forms. That really helped me 
Um, just because like, we all know that, you know, we're, we're born and we die, <laughs> you know, and we can watch that through the seasons happening in a way like over and over again, like here comes the flower poking up from, yep. you know, beneath the earth and, you know, the plant sprouts and then it becomes this beautiful pl- flower. But even as it's in that process, it's already on its way to becoming compost or to, to mm-hmm. it's the death of that individual flower. And yet, um, yet it's just transforming. And so for me, that's been, it's like this simple teaching, but it, it's, it brings me so much peace. And, and in Thich Nhat Hanh's community, they actually don't say happy birthday. Instead, they say happy continuation day. Mm -hmm. So happy continuation day. (laughs) Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, who has now passed, but, you know, is he still here with us in many forms um, that we can see like his teachings in the sunlight that's coming through my window right now? Mm-hmm. So I just, I, you know, for me, this has been so helpful in like dealing with my own intense fears around death. Um, and that's been really helpful in my life, especially, you know, as I've sat with people as they've passed um, to feel a real sense of true, like inner peace. Um, and I don't feel that all the time, Tanya, you know, me, cause you're such a close friend now that <laughs> man, I'm, I'm not peaceful all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I lose my, I don't want to make this an R rated, uh, <laughs> but I lose my stuff all the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I love that you brought that up and, yeah, I think it's really important. It's a really important point. For me, I would say the same, right? I'm not peaceful all the time. And I still, you know, lose my stuff at times. Now I lose it less frequently. And when I do lose it, I lose it for shorter periods of time. It's less intense. Yes. And that means I'm taking you know, more of those, more of those heavy breaks out of my backpack and I can see it. Sometimes you don't realize it right away, but it is happening over time. And then one day you kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I'll say, wake up Mm -hmm. and you're like, just something happened the other day with the computer or whatever, like something wasn't working right. And I was like, okay, well, it's not working right. You know, what am I going to do now? Whereas like I was thinking back like two or three years ago or something, the same thing happened and I was in a different headspace and like I was crying. Mm. I was crying on the floor. I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, how am I going to get this done? What am I going to do? And so just something small like that, you can see it, you know, incrementally making changes. Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think, you know, as we, as we can continue to practice, we start to develop our capacity to be with all the different things that come up in life and, um, and that we can kind of come back to our center um, one thing that's also really helped me, like in in these sort of like 
like with with what I the teaching that I was sharing of if for lack of a just for an easy way to reference it, like the idea of no birth, no death is because of my deep connection with nature. And, and, you know, and I reference that through the flower. And if we start to look at the nature of life all around us, you know, I, well, I guess what I would say is just, I invite us all to do that and to see if these things ring true to you. And that is another very important teaching I always got from, from Thich Nhat Hanh and that I've carried with me is don't just take my word for it. You know, it's that, that the teachings, like they, they change even over time and that it's like to, to not be too stuck <laughs> in, in like one way of thinking that we, want to develop this capacity to continue to look deeply at things and to understand that everything changes and that when I go into the forest, I can see that when the tree falls over and it dies, that a lot of times it becomes a nurse log. Like if it's left there, it will become a nurse log. Um, I see this like I'm very fortunate to live not very far from the redwoods. And when you walk through a redwood forest, you will see, you know, this tree that's fallen over and now a whole new line of trees and plants growing out of mm -hmm. that are being nourished by that one tree that died and is now becoming yeah. all these other new ones. And, and one last thing that I wanted to share today is a short poem that I learned from, from Ty. And I, and it's because it's one that it has come up for me in so many different situations um, that really brings me peace and contentment. So it, it goes like this, no coming, no going, no after no before. I hold you close to me. I release you to be so free because I am in you and you are in me. Because I am in you and you are in me. That's so beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Daphne. <laughs> Daphne and I are so happy to be back yeah. <laughs> recording new episodes together. Um, we love doing them and we have lots of new stuff coming up to share with you all. And we just want to thank you for joining us and if you have any questions about mindfulness or you have any comments or you have, you know, are curious about some of the texts that we've mentioned, you know, leave us a comment um, wherever you listen to the podcast or you can leave a comment on our social media. We are at HSP Wellness Warriors on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you for being here with us. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time.